Test, test, test. Testing one, two, three.
started in the wrong key. <laughs> if you were here last week, you'll remember I said, this is about as polished as it gets, and I think I am proving my point. Look what happens when I do this. Let's try that again. Welcome to church. Will you stand with me? Sing with me. You hear me when I call. You are my morning song. The darkness fills the night. It cannot hide the light. Whom shall I Troubles linger still. Whom shall I be? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever. He is a friend of mine. The God of angel
don't clap for me. That's a little, a little awkward. No, thank you. That's great. Uh, welcome, everybody. Stay standing. I promise no long stories as usual. Uh, Danny Jr., it's great to have you. Is there an instrument you don't play? Maybe the pan flute or something? Piano. Oh, okay. All right. We'll work on that for next week. Well, it is great to have you all here today. I guess officially Thanksgiving Sunday. I see a lot of new faces, and uh, you might be old faces, but I'm kind of new. So it is welcome to have, it's great to have you all here. Welcome, and let's just stay standing as we worship. Truly, let's welcome Jesus into our lives today and say, God, thank you for being here with us, and let's just allow him to fill us with his spirit as we just praise him in song. Sing with me, amazing love. Amazing love that welcomes me, the kindness of mercy that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving. Sing, God, you're so good.
Your breath in our lungs, so we. 
your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Everything we have is from God. Even the breath in our lungs. That breath right there that I just took. I inhale it to breathe out God's praise. We're called to live lives. Constant praise to our Savior. So sing that with me one more time and then we'll go to prayer. And if you're visiting with us, We believe in the power of prayer. We believe that God has healing in prayer. God has answers in prayer. God has comfort in prayer. And so, if you're not familiar with the Church of the Nazarene, we have these things down here called altars. You are always welcome. Whether it's a song, whether it's a prayer, whether it's a sermon, whether it's a video, if you feel God wants to talk to you and you want to talk to God, I hope you know that you are always welcome to come down won't bother us and we'll try to be sure not to disturb you so that you have time to talk with God. But let's just take one more time and sing. It's your breath, God, in our lungs. Sing with me. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out one more time, it's your breath. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Take whatever position of prayer that you want to right now. I'm, I'm not joking that when I say that 
as you all were singing, I remembered that we had altars, and, and then you brought that up. Uh, when I was a kid, this is where you came to kneel, and I thought, that's a weird ritual. But then I realized we always have the cross right there. The one who came and died for us. And as we praise him through song, I'm like, man, what praise? That is that is Thanksgiving. Lifting him up. And so as we as we pray now, if you want to stand, you want to sit, kneel. I've never been to one of those weird laughing rolling around churches. I don't know. But I'm I'm gonna kneel here because I want to kneel before my Savior and King symbolically just an act of supplication and say God we thank you we praise you so if any of you want to want to join up here with these others just take a posture of kneeling in your heart at least as we praise God Savior Christ Jesus we We can't praise you enough for how great you are. I thank you for for a body of believers that strengthens me, strengthens my family, strengthens each other, and points to you. I thank you for those who came before us that pointed us towards you, Lord, that helped us to see the way of true salvation. Only comes through you. And I thank you for things like a successful surgery in, in Danny. And I thank you for my friend Kevin, whose transplanted heart may not be working out, but I hear the praise from his lips as he praises you, Lord, in all things, even as doctors tell him his end is coming soon, possibly. He still praises you, Lord, because you are to be praised in all things. And thanked for all things. Because your ways are really, really mysterious to us. But I know that we can trust you today and forever. And the things that just don't make sense to us, you will reveal those things to us. And so we praise you. We thank you, Lord. So Lord, we collectively, your children, we just say thank you right now. And may you and your name and your ways and your just eternal love just be praised forever and ever. Everything to glorify you, Father, in your name. Amen. 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 God is good. And all the time. Wait, hold on. Wait, hold on. Wait. Okay, so real quick, I'm going to start that over one more time. It was a little weak. So, yeah, I was going all, I'm going all the way through. So if you guys don't know what happens, you know, like in the, you know, in the church gang, you know, and the, you know, the, 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 you know, God's gang or whatever the case is, we say God is good. One person will say God is good. Then the, then somebody will say all the time, all the time. God is good. Okay. Kind of, yeah. My daughter, I taught her that trick. The worst thing ever because she doesn't realize that it's only supposed to go one time through. So I'll go like this. God is good. She'll be like, all the time. And I'm like, all the time. God is good. She'll be like, God is good. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's, it's done. It's after that one time. When you guys see her, it's Isabel, the older one. She's four years old. When you see her, tell her she will keep that thing going with you. But you might be here late. Guys, we, you know, I, I love that. We, oh, let's try it though. Let's try it. Are you ready? God is good. All the 
All the time? That's right. I love it because it's not said by yourself. Although if you're me, maybe sometimes I'm driving in the car and I'm just like, God is good. But normally it's with other people. And that's why we come to this time in the service where we get to pass the peace with one another. Because we don't serve God alone. We serve God as a community, as a body of Christ. And that is all those people that are around you and many thousands and millions of more around the world. So look around you. Stand up. Wave, holler, whatever the case is. And if someone doesn't mind a handshake, give them a handshake. If they are kind of keeping their hands in the pocket, respect it. Uh, but uh, in this church, one other statement that we say is this, and if you go with me. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Go and pass that peace to one another. Hey, hey. Oh, man, y'all. I love this. I, I love this. I mean, we've got the little 30-second video for the online people. Hey, online people. It's so good to see you. Um, actually, I don't see you. It's so good to assume that you're there. <laughs> but it's really nice to see y'all. I see you. Um, man, are y'all ready for Thanksgiving? Don't answer that, because that, that's a loaded question for some people. I am Garen. I'm one of the pastors here, and along with Jason and Justin and Tim and Jennifer, and am I missing anyone? I think that's it. We are so honored to serve you. And so if you need anything or have any questions or if we can help in any way, let us know. We want to do what we can to help. I have the opportunity to give you a couple of announcements, and I have a lot of them, so I'm going to speak quickly. Um, we used to live in New York, and so I'm going to go a little New York on you. So if you can handle it, go, we're going to go fast. And then in my sermon, I'll get back to my Nashville slow speaking, if that's all right. So the first announcement we have is, da, 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 what do I have? That's okay. Did you see that? The overlay, that was really weird. Okay. Hey, the first thing we have is next week we are starting Advent. You may not realize it, but Advent starts in November this year. And so, actually, I think it starts in November almost every year, doesn't it? Because it's four weeks and December 25th would mean it have to. So, we are right on target for starting at the right time. But we're going through a series called Come Peasant King. And we have books that we would love for you to, to grab it's a daily devotional that will help you keep the mindset of Advent and expectancy and, and waiting 
as we journey through Advent together. And so that all starts next week. We're kicking it off, I believe, with hope. That's always a good place to start. But you can grab your books back there on the table. There are some. We're asking if you can. Um, it's $10 for a book or 15 for two if you and your spouse do not share well. Um, or if you want to grab a buddy, um, that's fine too. Uh, but if you can't afford one, don't let that keep you from taking one. And we'll start that next Sunday. The second announcement we have is Christmas offering. Every November, December, um, we set aside time to save and give to God. And so we always... Um, we give to global or extended missions. We give to a local community outreach or school or some. We partner with someone in our neighborhood and then we spend some of that money here for upkeeps and things that we need here. I encourage you to be praying about what would God have me give this year. I encourage you to take this opportunity to say, you know what? If I could very easily give something, and it could help global, local, and very close-to-home uh, ministries, that's an easy give. Um, there may be others of you that you're going to want to think about, God, how can I systematically give in a way that I can maybe give in faith, believing that you're going to supply? And so I'm, we're not telling people what to give. We're just asking that you give. And you can give online. You can give in person. You can get text give. You can drop off your box, your, your offering in the boxes outside any way you want to do it. But we're asking that we as a church spend time giving back to others. I am amazed that we started the Good Neighbor offering in August or in July. And above tithes and offerings... This congregation has given over $10,000 to people in need and to ministries. That's above the missions that we already give. I'm so thankful that we are part of a congregation that believes giving is a good thing. And you can't outgive God. And God will bless you. And hear me, I am not saying God will give you back what you give. I'm saying God will honor your blessing and your gift in whichever way he sees so Christmas offering is this month and next month, and you can bring your gift anytime. The third announcement that we have is Sunday school or adult Bible study or life group or small group, however you want to label it. We're so excited that Ken is going to be starting his adult group again coming the first week in January. And so if you are part of that group, get excited. It's coming in January. If you're not yet a part of that group, but you want Something to do Sunday mornings from 9 to 10, kind of get you focused on God and then come straight into the service. This is a great class. Ken is, he brings it. He, he knows how to share the word of God in a way that will stretch you and challenge you and lift you up. And so I encourage you, that'll be 9 o'clock. Um, we're still determining the room, but it'll be here. There are only so many rooms. You'll find it easily. And the last announcement that we have is Christmas decorating tomorrow. Because Advent starts next Sunday, we need to prepare before next Sunday. And we know that the closer you get to Thursday, the crazier things get. And then after Thursday, you have all the shopping to do or the recovering to do from all the turkey that you ate. And so... If you can help us tomorrow, it sure would be great. We're going to meet here tomorrow at 6. That's the earliest we can get in because the preschool has the space until 6. But we're going to 
be taking things down, putting up Christmas decorations so that we can come back next Sunday and be ready to start Advent well. All right, I think that's it for me. I'm going to step that's off. That's it, that's it. Guys, we get to come to a time, you know, where we get to continue in our worship with our tithes and offerings. And I'm telling you, I just can't stop thinking about how last week we had that mortgage burning. It's so amazing to, you know, guys, I mean, I'm telling you, churches aren't, don't, we're not against each other or we don't ever like fight with each other, right? But, you know, there was some sort of a, there was, there was a little bit of a proudness to me to be looking at, you know, I shared even a, a video, you know, of, you know, mortgage, you know, church mortgage burning and, and stuff like that. And just, there's a, there's a proudness. It's like, hey, we, we, we done that. We taken care of that. We are churches and have something that's weighing over our heads and stuff like that. So it's just a testimony to how faithful God is, how faithful we are as a people. Um, and just, it's just, God is so good. And, uh, you know, in this time here and now where we see God's faithfulness play out, uh, where we, you know, don't owe any money but taxes every year now on this building, then I just pray that, uh, that, you know, that God will continue to bless this church, bless us, uh, for that. Now, you guys are used to me giving a nugget every single week, and so here's my nugget. My nugget this week is a challenge, and I want to hear some testimonies next week. I want to encourage you guys for 5 to 15 minutes a day, for the next week, 5 to 15 minutes a day, to have some alone time with God. And a little bit more than just the alone time that you get with God driving on the way home. I mean like a solid 5 to 15 minutes that you just, that, that you just are, you're in your house and you're just getting alone, and you're shutting the world out, and you're quieting everything, and you're just spending 5 to 15 minutes alone with God. I guarantee you we'll have some amazing testimonies next week. So again, remember that challenge, 5 to 15 minutes a day alone with God. Let's pray for this time. Lord, you are such a good and faithful God. And Father, we would, we would be here for 5, 10 hours if we could all just get up and grab this mic and share on how good and faithful you are with us. And so, Lord, we tell you thank you. We tell you thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being a God who always provides. You always provide. And so, Lord, for this time that we get to give back to you and give back to your kingdom and the furtherance of it, Lord, I pray that you would bless this time that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanksgiving moment. You know, this is the time of year when we realize what it is we have to be thankful for. And of course, I'm talking about Thanksgiving. I know it. Hang on a second. This is called suede, buddy, so you need to be careful with that lollipop. It's time to be with your kids and your nieces and nephews. And don't touch them. That's just going to egg them on. That's just... It's time when I remember all the warmth and love of conversations. And, uh, well, let's just... Guys. Hey, guys. Seriously. Why don't you Whoa. come help? Don't even. 
But I know that I remember growing up. You know what? This is not going to work. Haley, I'm sorry. My back is killing me. This kid's about to break my knee off. This one is as ripe as it gets. We need some, a lot of wipes for that one. Well, that's right. And I remember the turkey and dressing. And uh, you bet there was some cranberry sauce if uh, Uncle Teddy had anything to do with it. And uh, Uncle Floyd, I, 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 I tell you what, Haley, can, you've got to get her out of here because my headache is about to explode here. Um, hey, seriously, Daryl, how about helping out this year? Hey, I'll tell you what, why don't you go outside and wait for me? All right. And uh, I remember uh, sitting around and laughing as a family, and sweetie, I have got to have some room here to do this. I know. I t- you know what? This is like a practical joke. This is terrible. Okay, I'm about to freak out here. Daryl, should we put you at the kids' table since you're helping about as much as they are, or... Hold on. Hold on. So my hope is that you have a very blessed time and a relaxing Thanksgiving. Okay, we show that every year. It has nothing to do with anything I'm going to say, but I just... I feel like it connects with a certain demographic that maybe... Yeah. Oh, wait. We we don't have to get verbal, and uh, I I don't I don't want your 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 uh, family pulling this up later and say uh, you want to explain that. Uh, man, it's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving week. I hope that you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we are uh, in a series called Grateful Hearts. Grateful Hearts, and what a beautiful time to do it with all that God is doing with our mortgage. What a beautiful thing that God is doing. Um, in our hearts, and we're just thankful. So, traditionally, we have Old Testament, New Testament readings, maybe an epistle reading, and we haven't done that in a while. Um, and, and I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture, so we're going to move on to that. But I really miss praying our prayer as we get into the sermon moment. So, I'm going to ask you, would you pray with me our prayer for understanding that God will use this time and speak to our hearts? It'll be on the screen. Pray with me. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. So I'm in this, I I do the Bible app on my phone because it's easier than carrying a Bible with me, and I'm doing a chronological Bible series this year, which means I'm not going Genesis, Exodus, all the way to Revelation. I'm going with the timeline. And so it's like Genesis 1, 2, 3, Job, and like however it falls chronologically. And it was interesting because this past week I was reading in the riveting book of Kings and Chronicles. And so (laughs) it's not that riveting. However, I did think it was interesting that as we've just paid off our mortgage, as we're coming right before Thanksgiving, it was interesting that Monday, my passage was on Solomon dedicating the temple and rededicating the people to God. It just seemed appropriate. And so I kind of veered away from my plan and I took it as a, okay, Holy Spirit, let's spend some time there. I mean... When else will we be able to read that and say, hey, that we did that last week. We finished kind of paying this off and just like Solomon finished his temple. Although 
I mean, this is a beautiful place, but I imagine Solomon um, has looked a little nicer, but not much. But that's okay. So I'm reading in Kings, and I'm this service is gonna this sermon is gonna be a little different because we're gonna kind of do read stop, read stop, read stop. So it's not gonna be like we normally do it. So bear with me. I guess is what I'm saying. We're gonna be in First Kings chapter eight. And if you have your Bibles, turn there. If you have your Bible app, you can turn there. And I read typically through the New Living Translation. So if you have your Bible app, you can even change it to that translation and follow along. But I want to give a little bit of background and we're going to skip around in some verses. And then we're going to get to Solomon's prayer of dedication. All right. So we're going to start in chapter eight, verse one. And this is what uh, the word of God says. And just as as a background. The people of Israel, we know that the Hebrew people, the people of Israel have this cycle that they go through. They follow God. Things go well. They turn away from God. And they're led away typically into exile or captivity. They cry out to God. God miraculously saves and intervenes. The people follow God. And it's this cycle that we see throughout history. And quite honestly, it's a cycle that I feel like sometimes I see in my life. It's very easy to get on that treadmill if you're not careful. And so what, what's happening right now is they've just finished 40 years. It's like the golden age of Narnia. They've finished 40 years with King David. And King David was a wonderful king. He was a man after God's own heart. And David did everything he wanted to do almost. One of the things David wanted to do most was build a temple for God. They had this mobile tabernacle and David always felt like, why do I have a place to live and the presence of God doesn't? But God said, that's not your task. I'm going to give that task to your son. And so King David dies. Solomon takes over. About four years into his reign is when Solomon finally gets everything together and they start building. It takes 11 years to build this temple. And we are getting to the end of the 11 years and it's time to dedicate the temple and to bring this Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God dwelt among the cherubim and and it's time. And they're getting ready to celebrate. So here we read in verse 1, Solomon then summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes. The leaders of the ancestral families of the Israelites. And they were to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to the temple from its location in the city of David, also known as Zion. And then in verse 6, it says, Then the priests carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and they placed it beneath the wings of the cherubim. Scripture talks about like the, the width of the temple in this area was 30 feet, and there were two cherubim with wingspans of 15 feet. And so they placed the Ark of the Covenant Underneath these wings of these cherubim. Verse 10 and 11 say, Then the priests came out of the holy place, and a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests couldn't even continue their service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. So we have these people that, that are assembling... We have these people that are bringing the Ark of the Covenant. They're transporting it from one side of the city basically to the other. It's time. It's time to 
put the Ark of the Covenant in its proper place. And the smoke filled the place and you have the, the priests that couldn't even perform all of their duties. They're, they're leaving because the smoke is so thick. God's presence fell so thickly upon them that they couldn't even continue in their praise and worship. There was this intentional act of welcoming in God's presence. This wasn't a random act, and this wasn't taken lightly. This was intentional. It was a sacrifice. It took planning. It took effort. There there was significance to this moment. It was a deliberate act of worship. Let's pause there for a second. As I was reading through it, I wonder, are we always intentional in our worship? Last week, I felt like we were because we had a very specific purpose that we all knew we were coming for. But honestly, we come every Sunday to celebrate the resurrection. We have a purpose. Are we intentional in our gatherings? Do we sacrifice to make sure that it happens, to make sure that we're there? Do we do we do what it takes? Do we sacrifice our time, our energy, our monies? Do we sacrifice our attitudes? Do we sacrifice everything so that God's glory can fill this place and make it so thick that we can't even continue worshiping because we're so taken up by the glory of God? Do we worship out of obedience or do we worship out of convenience? There was nothing in this chapter that was convenient. Everything that they did for God was a sacrifice. It doesn't mean they didn't do it with joy. It doesn't mean that they didn't, you know, find delight and do it. It means that it was still a sacrifice. And I wonder how often I worship God out of my convenience and the overflow of my time as opposed to Complete surrender. Complete sacrifice. All right. Unpause. So the glory of the Lord fills this place and the presence of God descended and the priests couldn't perform their jobs. And here we find this beautiful moment where God honors the symbol of his presence with the reality of his presence. What a beautiful. Think about that. God honored the symbol of his presence with the reality of his presence. I sit there and I think of some of the symbols that we have. The symbol of the cross. The symbol of what Christ did for us. I think of the symbol of the table. This great thanksgiving where all are invited to come. The symbol of the altars where we can come with penitent hearts and we can talk to the creator of everything. I think of all these symbols and I think how exciting would it be if we would actually live in such a way that the presence of God and the reality of God inhabited the symbols of God because we are the people of God. How would our church look three weeks from now, three years from now, if we could just understand that the more we become the people of God, the more God's presence is with us, the more, well... Eh, well, let's keep going. I just know that I really want the presence of God. I don't want to take for granted the symbols because the symbols point us to the characteristic of God. And I don't want to miss 
being that close to God. Just too important to me. So, we see this amazing dedication happening, and, and what strikes me is the people are doing the ceremony. They are having this holy moment with God, and yet, in the same sense, God descends and God sanctifies the moment. And so we have this, it's the people sacrificing and God being present where this holy reality sets in. Wouldn't that be awesome if that was our church? I think it is our church lot. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Wouldn't it be awesome if it was our church on Tuesday morning at work? And when we're pumping gas at Bucky's. And when whatever we're doing, we are living in the reality of these symbols, trusting that the reality of this Christ who embodies all the characteristics of these symbols is with us. What if we really believe that we were the walking billboards of God, that we are the agents of reconciliation, that there isn't a plan B, that we are the people, that God God wears us like a glove, and then it's not our hand and it's not us doing it, but it's the hand of God that's moving in the lives of people. We're just the glove. I think we often forget that we're image bearers. You are an image bearer. The question is always, whose image are you bearing? So that's the, that's, that's what's happening. That's what's setting up. Let's get on to verse 22. That's where the dedication is and where Solomon actually talks to God. It's interesting. Um, just some of the language. Verse 22 says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel. It's interesting the posture he took. It wasn't kneeling. It wasn't face on the ground. We believe that your posture physically is less important than your posture spiritually. And that's why, like Jason said, you can stand, you can kneel, you can lay down on the back, you can come to the altar. Find a posture where you can submit to God and hear from God. So Solomon is standing, and this is what he says. He lifted up his hands towards heaven and he prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. So Solomon begins with this superiority of God. And, and when we pray, we would do well to remember that there is a creator and there is a created, and we need to remember which one we are so that we can fully understand which one God is. God's above the heavens. He's above the, the galaxies. And, you know, this past week we have this lunar eclipse that they say only happens every 600 years. Did you get up for it? It was like Friday from like 2 to 5. I don't know. It was one of the longest lunar eclipses. It hasn't happened since the 1300s, and they're saying it won't happen again till 2700-something. And our God orchestrated it all. We serve a God who reigns above the heavens. We also serve a God, Solomon reminds us, that is above the earth. That's above where we are. That's above nature. How could you not go, when you go to the Appalachian, Appalachian Mountains, according to my wife, 
in the fall and you see the way God has painted the mountainsides, not bow in the reverence of this almighty God. How could you not go to the ocean five miles from here and just be in awe that God tells each and every wave, that's far enough. No, you're good. Time to head back. Serve a God that every type of bird has its own song. How crazy is that? Only a God like our God could do that. We have a God that orchestrates it all. God is high above the heavens. God is high above the earth. And Solomon continues in verse 23. You keep your covenant and you show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. You've kept your promise with your servant David, my father, and you've made that promise with your own mouth and with your own hands. You've fulfilled it today. So not only is God the God of the heavens and God is the God of the earth, but God is a covenant keeper. And that's really a big deal for humanity. We serve a God that is a covenant keeper. In his unfailing love, he does it all. The Hebrew word there for unfailing love is the word hesed. Everybody say hesed. Type it in if you're with us. Hesed. H-E-S-E-D. It's not only what it is, but it's the degree to which it is. That word hesed means not just love. It means unfailing love. It's this, it's this kindness. It's this mercy and it's abundant. It's everlasting. It's not just what it is, but this Hesed mindset is it's to what degree is it? It's everlasting love. It's unending mercy. It's overwhelming kindness. That's the kind of love that our God extends to us. So in, in these sentences, these two sentences of Solomon, we have this, this, this complete view of salvation. That God is the creator of all things, the heaven and the earth. And God saves it and God loves it. And God is the creator of humanity. And God saves us and loves us. We're going to skip down to verse 27. I told you this is a weird, weird one. We're kind of ping-ponging down the chapter. But I figured you didn't want to stay for the whole thing. So... Uh, <laughs> Verse 27 says, but will God really live on earth? It's like he's saying all this stuff and then he asks this weird question. It's like he turns a right turn. God, you're the, he- you're the heavens. You're creator of all things. You're a covenant keeper. We've built this space for you. And then he says, but will God really, I mean, will God really live on earth? Why, even the highest heavens can't contain you, much less this temple that I've built. Nevertheless. Listen to my prayers and my plea. Oh, Lord, my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is making to you today. May you watch over this temple night and day. This place where you have said, my name will be there. May you always hear the prayers I make toward this place. So there were some that said, okay. Why are you building a temple to God? That's like building a room for air. You can't contain it all. How could you ever hope to contain all of God? Why are you doing this? This is futile. This is foolishness. There were people that thought that 
for all those years, those seven years that Solomon is building. And Solomon acknowledges, no, I, I can't contain God. I wouldn't even try to. God is always greater. God is always bigger. So he prays not that God will be contained in that place, but that God's name would be always in that place. Now, in our culture, a name is a name is a name. Right? I mean, in our culture, we name things by location. What are we? We're poor orange church of the Nazarene. That doesn't tell a lot about us other than our location. Right. There are some things that are named by location. There are some things that are named by popularity. Um, My wife, her name is Jennifer. She was born in the 70s and she was born in the year that the number one name, the most popular name, the trendiest name, the coolest name for a girl was. Guess what? Jennifer. See, in our culture, we kind of, we, we don't have the same view of a name as the Hebrew culture would have had. In the days of Solomon, a name had extreme significance. A name had, had power. A name, a name was a declaration of the future. A name was this prophetic life that you would live into. A name, a name was like calling your shot in basketball. It's like, this is what I'm going to do. Nothing but net. Let me give you an example. Gideon. If you know the story of Gideon, you know how he was used mightily by God. You know what the name Gideon means? It means great destroyer. He was given his name long before he ever fulfilled it. But the name was significant. There's a girl in the Bible. Her name is Hadassah. You may not have heard of her name. Hadassah means myrtle. It's it's a myrtle tree. It's this beautiful fragrance. And in the Hebrew culture, the myrtle tree was connected with righteousness. God's righteousness is this beautiful fragrance in our lives. You might know Hadassah by her more common name, Esther. When she was married to the king, she changed her name to Esther. You know what Esther means? Hidden godliness. And if you know the story of Esther, you'll understand the significance of her name. If you don't know the story of Esther, it's like 11 chapters. I recommend you read the book of Esther. It's a good one. Let me give you one more. Jesus. I think Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Yeah, there is. Jesus is a derivative of the word Joshua. Yeshua. You know what that word means? It means God is our salvation. Back then, there was significance in the name. And so when Solomon is saying, I can't contain you, I wouldn't even try to, but God, will your name, will your characteristics, will all your promises, all of your future promises rest in this place so that we can worship you in all of your beauty? That's what Solomon is doing when he dedicates the temple. He's praying, God, 
Fulfill your promises that you've made from generation to generation. You did it to my, with my dad, David. Do it with me and do it with those that follow me. And he finishes in verse 30 with, May you hear the humble and earnest request from me and your people, Israel, when we pray toward this place. Yes, hear. Hear us from heaven where you live. And when you hear, forgive. And we're not going to take too much time to go into that, but there is great significance in the act of confession and asking for forgiveness in prayer. If you're not convinced by this, read Matthew 6, which is what we'll get to in January when we go through the Lord's Prayer. It's pretty important to Jesus. So let's skip down to verse 41 through 43, and then we'll pull it all together. And today, I think I might actually have a three-point sermon for you. Ba-bam! I don't usually give points like that, but I think today I have one for you. Verse 41 says this, in the future. So, so he prays, hey, be with our people when we do this. Be with us when we fail in this way. Be with us in this way. Be with us, God. And he prays for the people of Israel in all these different ways from verse 30 to verse 40. And then in verse 41, he says this. In the future, foreigners who don't belong to your people, Israel, will hear of you. They'll come from distant lands because of your name, for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm. And when they pray toward this temple, when when they're praying toward this God, hear from heaven where you live. And grant what they ask of you. In this way, all the people of the earth will come to know and fear you just as your own people do. They too will know that this temple I have built honors your name. You know, a lot of times we, we, we um, have this mindset that the Jewish people hated the foreigner and the alien. But we know that that's not true if we read the Pentateuch, if we read the first five books of the Bible, because there is so much language about what do we do with the alien and the foreigner among us who's living within us? And how do we bring them in to this loving knowledge of God? Solomon prays right here. Can you imagine? You have the wisest man that's ever lived that has prayed for you. I'm going to say that again because I don't think you heard me. You have the wisest man that has ever lived and his prayer included prayers for you. We, the Gentiles, are the foreigners that he was praying for. That as they lifted up the name of God, that they would be, as Isaiah says, just to further prove that this was the mindset, that they would be a light to the nation so that we would be able to see Just in case we're still not sure, when Jesus says that whosoever calls on my name, there was not any kind of stipulation on the whosoever. This is why Paul can say in in Romans that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's writing to the Romans who are this Jewish and this Gentile congregation. They're trying to figure out how do they live life together because the Jews are coming back from being banished from Rome. And Paul very clearly says, anyone who calls on the name 
will be saved. So, let let me wrap it up. This has been a weird sermon for me. But I want to leave you with three thoughts as we head into Thanksgiving. Three thoughts for which you can be thankful. When you are sitting at that table and that relative is driving you crazy, maybe you can silence your world by remembering one of these three thoughts. You ready for the first one? The first one is simply this. We're people of gratitude because God hears. He sees each tear that falls. He hears us when we call his name. We do not serve a God that has a laissez-faire mentality and is just watching from a distance. We serve a God who hears us and answers when we call. If you have nothing to be thankful for this week, you have something to be thankful for. The God who juggles comets is attuned to your voice. Second thing, we're people of gratitude because God forgives. Let that sink in. On your best day, you cannot earn God's love. On your worst day, you cannot lose God's love. God forgives anyone who calls on his name and asks for forgiveness. It's that hesed. It's that unfailing love. It's that overwhelming kindness. It's that mercy that I don't deserve and you don't deserve. And yet somehow God still offers it. We can be thankful because God hears. We can be thankful because God forgives. And we can be thankful, the third thing, as God hears, as God forgives, as God leads us to repentance and restoration we can be thankful that we serve a God that is always working on behalf of those that he loves. We have an active God. I was talking with Jason in my office before the service, and and we were just talking about this relational ministry that we're trying to have, and he says, I just am constantly praying, God, do something to open up a door. We have a God that is active in our lives, as active as we will let him be. And my prayer is that if God is hearing us and God is forgiving us, we would want to allow God to act and move on our behalf. So we can be thankful. We have a God that's with us. We have a God that's for us. We have a God that chooses to dwell within us. We have a God that is working all things for his glory and uses us in beautiful ways to continue that redemption story. We have a God that allows us to join in this narrative of redemption and restoration that the arc of humanity is bending toward because God has said, if you look at the end of the book, That there will be restoration. That God is redeeming and making all things new. 
And God allows us to participate in that. Jesus. Thank you. The fact that I am speaking to the Creator of the Son should always humble me. The fact that I am speaking to the Savior who can forgive my sin and guilt should always humble me. That I can speak to you, Holy Spirit, who comforts me, who guides me, who gives me boldness. You are God at work within me. That should astonish and amaze me every time I wake up and take in my first breath. God, forgive me that it doesn't stay on my mind more than it does. And I pray that you will help me to begin to live even more into this rhythm of gratitude. Thankfulness for all that you are. God, let me begin there. So often I begin with telling you the things I don't have and then thanking you for the things that I do have. And if I have time, I'll talk about who you are. I pray that you'll help me to find a better order. That you will help me, even as your son Jesus prayed, he began by hallowing and revering your name. God, I pray that everything that we do will begin with awe and praise for you. Thank you that you hear us. Thank you that you forgive. Thank you that you are an active God that is working for us and in us. Jesus, I pray that you will help us. If we are going to be image bearers of you, that means we also need to be hearing the hurting around us. It means that we also need to be extending forgiveness to people. It means that we also need to be active in this redemption process that you are doing. Nothing that I've just said is possible without you. But with you, you've told me all things are possible. With you, your word tells me that Greater things will be done than even the things that are accounted, that are talked about in the Bible. God, will you make us that type of people? Will you make us just crazy enough to believe that everything that you've said is true and that if we'll just step into your truth, that you will unleash your spirit in such a heavy way that it will stifle us almost because we won't be able to handle the glory of your presence in the way that we normally do in our normal lives. And it will rearrange and reorder everything we say and do because we are surrounded by your glory. That's my prayer, God. In the same way that you heard the prayers of Solomon, hear my prayer. Make us this type of people. We pray this in your name. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
And that's the time when we gather at the table. If you don't have the the bread and juice, uh, let us know. We will get it to you. And you you might be visiting and saying, "Well, uh, can I take it?" Well, let me let me ask you something. Do you want to sit at the table with Jesus? If you say yes, well, then who am I to say you can't? Jesus welcomes all to eat with him. And uh, what, a, what a great week as we, as we will be sitting down and eating. And you think about that last, that last meal Jesus had before uh, he went to the cross with his disciples. Judas was there. Jesus knew Judas' heart. He knew what was going to happen. And I, I don't see an opportunity in life where we don't eat with Jesus when we're with others. And many of you will sit down this week with Judas, right? Judas of one sort or another in your family, your friends, whoever you're gathered with. Jesus wanted Judas there. Jesus, Jesus wanted Judas to be redeemed. And I'm sure those disciples that were sitting around with him, they were like, oh man, Judas, he, glad that guy's gone. But I can't help but think that in the years later, that they were like, man, I, I would love to eat with Judas again. I would love to love on that guy. So as we eat together today, when it comes up this week, then you're with those, uh, your family, friends, enemies, that you're sitting at the table with. That is some real time of eating at the table with Jesus. It's a real time for the love of Christ to flow through you. And don't let this this week be an opportunity that you let go by where next year you're like, man, I wish I could love on that person just one more time. I missed it. So let's... Remember, it's kind of weird. Turn it over and uh, open the, uh, I always say, the pillow side first. As Jesus sat with his disciples, and as you will sit with friends and foes this week, remember that grace, that, that mercy, that ridiculous love that Jesus had where he said, I will eat with anyone who wants to eat with me. Let that be the prayer in our our hearts, the way that we live out this week as we sit down. And as I, possibly in a sinful way, eat way too many rolls this coming Thursday, when I am eating that bread, when I'm breaking it to put a pound of butter on there, in my heart will be, Lord, may this broken bread be love and life flowing through me from you, Father. So let's eat this together in remembrance of him. As we uh, open the other side. As you drink whatever it is you'll drink around the Thanksgiving table, my mother-in-law makes this great concoction of punch and seven-up and uh, it's just it's really good. This year, I, I've already decided as I as I drink from it, I'm going to look at those around me. 
my wife, my kids, my, my in-laws, and whoever else happens to be there, and say, thank you, Lord, for the life that you have given me and the love that you've shown me, and really, Lord, the mercy that you have shown me, the forgiveness, as you talked about guilt and sin forgiveness. May we be bearers of mercy and grace to those around us this week. And as we drink, let's do this in remembrance of him. Father, we praise you. We praise you above all. Without you, we are lost. And because of you, we are found. I thank you that we can sit at the table with you. Everything to your glory. Amen. 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 Will you stand with me? We're going to sing our benediction and then you are going to go get ready for a wonderful week with family and friends, right? We are not going to talk politics at the table. Let's just decide that right now. Even if you agree with the person, we're not going to, we're going to just, we're going to, we're going to talk about memories and future and unicorns and candy canes, okay? (laughs) I'm just telling you, you'll thank me. You'll thank me next Sunday if you do that, all right? Uh, if you're visiting with us, we sing our benediction, and so I'm gonna, uh, we're gonna have the words up there, and you're welcome to receive this benediction, you're welcome to join in and sing it, um, and then we'll see you hopefully next week as we kick off Advent, this beautiful time of waiting and expectation that we have. So sing with me. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts. In our homes, let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Oh, hearing this crowd did my heart good. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Have a great Thanksgiving.